0: I'm Sarah. I'm Trish. This is our podcast called Trying to Win, and this is just a brief little episode that we put together. Jeremy Sugg was our guest on another episode, and we started talking about right at the end about zealous advocacy, and we decided to do a brief on it. Hope you all enjoy it. So Jeremy, let's um, talk a little bit about zealous advocacy, where that term comes from, and um, as we go, we'll kind of get into why is it good and why is it bad. (laughs) You
1: just jumped right on in, didn't you? Yep. All righty.
2: Well, yeah, and you're kind of putting me on the spot because I haven't that was gone the point. back and, and reviewed my law review article on it. Oh uh, no, the I analytical
1: found. litigators coming out. <laughs> oh, no.
2: But but yeah, so I started kind of looking into this at one point because you know, there are a lot of attorneys who will kind of toe the line on what is what is allowed under the rules of professionalism and things like that. And their defense, more often than not, is well, your honor, I'm just being a zealous advocate for my client and that's what I have to do. And so I started thinking, well, what is this whole thing about being a zealous advocate? Where does this come from and what does it mean? <laughs> Another thing that kind of that I, I always think about when I think about being a zealous advocate is my little sister lives in St. Augustine, Florida, and so every time we drive down to visit her, there's this huge billboard in Jacksonville, Florida, where this, uh, you know, it's like a plaintiff's personal injury attorney and he has on like a suit and tie and he's like rolling up his sleeves but he's like rolling up the sleeves of his suit jacket and I'm like, that's just so dumb. When, if you're going to roll up your sleeves, take off your jacket, dude. number one, like when are you ever going to roll up the sleeves on a suit jacket? But the whole point of that is I would have like, never even noticed. You're so pragmatic. The whole point is like, you know, Hey, I'm going to fight for you, bra, 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 blah. you know? But anyway, so, you know, going back to this idea of being a zealous advocate, where does this come from? What does it mean? What should it mean? And, you know, a lot of attorneys may think that it's in the rules of professionalism that you are to be a zealous advocate for your client. But actually, the and and again, I haven't gone back to look at this recently. But the the rules, I don't think specifically say anything about that.
0: It depends on the state that you're in. I thought, right. I
2: thought
1: they did.
0: So I there know. there are some so ethics rules that do reference zealous advocacy. Yeah, yes. and
2: they've they've kind of come in and out at different points throughout history. And so you know, recently in the past couple of years, there have been a lot of calls to say, let's get it out, stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever state you're in, like. If if they if that reference is in there, let's get it out because people are using this as a fallback to say, "Oh well, you know, I can do whatever I want to do because I have to be a zealous advocate for my client."
1: So bad behavior crutch basically is what they're using. Right. They're also using it for like legal
0: marketing to justify why they are using like pit bulls one <laughs> <and> get paid <laughs> sharks as as their kind of advertising. Tag
2: rolling up your suit sleeves, right?
0: Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think a lot of um, state bars have cracked down on that on on that type of legal marketing because it's really not about fighting people. It's about I mean, zealous advocacy is just supposed to be that you and we talked about this in another episode with Gwen and mm-hmm. and Ashley you know really believing in in your client's cause and being able to stand up in front of a juror a jury of 12 or even just a judge at summary judgment and be able to make an argument without being red in the face embarrassed that you're having to make that argument you know zealous advocacy is supposed to be about believing that the facts match the law and that you are entitled, your client is entitled to whatever relief you're asking for. At least that's how I've always interpreted it. But I think other people interpret it as I'm supposed to get in there and fight like heck for them, which you can do. But then there's the ethics uh, boundaries, you know, the, the the bumpers on the on the lane that you have to stay within, and that's what's getting run over a bit, I think, when people are using it as a defense to yeah. their conduct
2: well and so you know this this law review article that i that i read you know it was kind of going through the history of zealous advocacy and where did this all come from and it it talks about how you know in the beginning uh, an attorney was considered much more an officer of the court than somebody representing their client and so it was much more of a kind of fact-finding mission like Hey, you go out and figure out what this person's side of the story is, and you go out and you figure out what this person's side of the story is, and let's all get together on behalf of justice and figure out what the truth is. And so, a zealous
1: advocate. For, oh, sorry, zealous advocate for justice, not for not for the not necessarily for your client. Is that what you're saying?
2: Right. Well, not no. I mean, I, I would say that's the officer of the court role, mm-hmm. right? We all want to get to the truth. We should. Now, of course that has now become balanced as it should by, well, you also need to be a zealous advocate for your client. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you know, if the other side is saying, well, here's the truth, your honor. And that doesn't appear to be the truth. You need to advocate for your client, obviously to Mm -hmm. get to the truth, but there has to be a balance between the two. You know, you can't put your role as an officer of the court to the side and say, well, I'm just a zealous advocate. That's not going right. to work out for you in the long run. Now, the problem is people hearing this right now, they may say, well, I'm never going to hire Jeremy Sugg as my attorney. Because Cause he, cause
1: he, cause he takes his jacket off and- <laughs> to roll his sleeves up. <laughs> yeah,
2: he's not willing to take his, he's not willing to roll his <laughs> sleeves up and fight for me at all costs, right? And so somebody who, you know, who approaches it in that way, you know, with that officer of the court mindset is going to lose out in terms of marketing. But I would say then, you know, the other role that attorneys have is to be a counselor. And so I think that's where it kind of brings it all together And you know, if you have a client who wants you to be a zealous advocate, you have to explain to them, well, look, my role is also as, as a officer of the court. So I can't push these boundaries that you're asking me to push, but I'm also a counselor to you. And, You're asking me to prove something that there's just no evidence of or the law doesn't support. And my first job is to tell you you're going to lose. Stop wasting your money. Stop wasting your time and don't do this. And there's another really great, great quote on that. That if I were more prepared for this, I would have.
1: (laughs) I thought you were a litigator.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which means I prepare. I (laughs) (laughs) I don't try it on the fly. From the seat of my pants. Yep. <laughs> um, well,
1: uh, well. I, I, wait. You finished your thought, and then I—you I th- no, triggered me. It. You that's triggered it. me to say something. Yeah. So I, I think you are a hundred percent right, and that it, clients come to me sometimes and will say, "Oh, I heard you're a bulldog. You know, I'm looking for a pit bull," and I always say, "Well, listen. Here's the way that works. I will passionately represent your interest." But I'm going to make sure that I dig and make sure that your story is legit and that there are actual details that support what you're telling me. Based on what you're telling me, you know, it sounds like you've got a great case, but I I don't know anything yet. I'm going to tell you this, and I I say this to clients a lot of times when I have to deliver bad news. You're not going to always like what I say to you, but I'm going to tell you the truth. And I get paid to tell you the truth. I don't get paid to give you, you to blow smoke to tell you what you want to hear that's not that's not doing my job it, it's a waste of your time and, and mine and, and money and we're not doing anything right so I, I we ha- part of our job is to deliver bad news and to say you know hey this case is a dog you don't have a claim you can't use this threat like criminal threat to try to, to leverage a civil uh settlement so I don't know I don't think I want a client that does that that all only wants me to go to court and lie I don't want. I don't want to work for that person. We we have plenty of work
0: to do. You know, and and we tell our lawyers this all the time. Your job is to find the facts and apply the facts to the law. Trust your client, but verify. There you go. Is that what you were going to say? Trust, but verify. And it, you know, if it doesn't work out, your job is to advise the client. And it doesn't matter that you're going to not have those billable hours for the rest of the year. And it goes back to the mantra that I have been preaching now for years, which is I think the billable hour is one of the worst ethical conundrums that we have in the practice of law because there are lawyers who are so tied to meeting their billable hour requirements that they are not stopping litigation Earlier in the process, because they're so focused on meeting their billable hour requirements, I think it's a real problem. Fortunately, we don't have that problem. We've got plenty of work to do. But, you know, we you've got to be advising your clients appropriately, regardless of the lawyer's best interest, regardless of the other side. You evaluate the facts and you evaluate the law and you present that in a way that is consistent with our ethics rules. And that's zealous advocacy,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've worked myself out of a job where right? someone's called me about like a business litigation yep. issue and it's like commercial real estate or something. And I'll say, well, do you have title insurance? You surely got that when you closed your loan. You need to make a claim with a title insurance company because they may pay the cost of your defense. They'll hire the lawyer they want. It won't to be me. Probably won't, but, um, but they'll pay for it. And then I don't hear from them after that. Well, you know, that person five years down the road will remember that I was honest and straightforward with them. And the referrals you get from just saying the truth, even if it doesn't benefit you far out far exceeds the risks of doing something unethical or just telling the client what they want to hear or lying in court Right
2: mm-hmm. under the pretense yeah, of even, being a zealous advocate. Right. I mean, I would say even worse than, you know, just telling the client what they want to hear, which I think is, you know, what a, what a lot of attorneys, get into. Um, They're so scared, like you said, of losing those billable hours. They're so scared of, you know, upsetting a client that they just say, yeah, you know, you're probably going to win. You're probably going to win. Let's just go forward. Or even worse, they they, they just become a mouthpiece for the client. The client has a story to tell. They're angry about something. And the attorney basically just lets the client borrow their law license to go out and tell their story. As long as they're getting paid for it, they're happy to do it. And I don't think that does a service to the client. It doesn't do a service to the reputation for attorneys. It doesn't do a service to judges who have to sit there and listen to that nonsense. And (laughs) juries. I mean,
0: having their time too. Exactly. Having the empathy to understand that you're putting all those other people out too, right? It's not just about you and your clients. Sarah's you're all asking,
1: big on empathy because um, she got a good score. <laughs> <laughs> and the personality test, it's making me laugh.
0: <laughs> I, I finally scored above she a one scored, on empathy. She finally scored a high score.
1: and so now she wants to talk about empathy all the time. <laughs>
0: You're but growing. I you, am. Yeah, <laughs> look at that. Who knew for somebody as old as me that that was possible? Apparently <laughs> it I'm is. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. I know. But it is. It's an important consideration. You are asking a lot of people to come into the courtroom and spend time with you on a case. It better be worthwhile. And I'll tell you what. I mean, I trust our jury system. I am not as cynical about the jury system as some people are. And I think the vast majority of the time our juries get it right and they're going to figure out right quick if you're standing up there and you're just a freaking mouthpiece for your client, and that there's nothing to back it up. So I wouldn't recommend it.
2: Yeah, and they're going to punish you for it. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: On that note, so tell us advocacy. That's right. I hope you guys enjoyed this short brief from trying to win. We'll uh, call it the mini Jeremy session. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Listen, rate, subscribe, download, and email us on anything else you'd like to hear about at trying to win at I'm Getting really good at that. <laughs>